This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Hello and er welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl and my guest this week is Chip Bell. Chip is a highly sought after keynote speaker and a prolific writer. He's considered a, well, a world-renowned authority on customer loyalty and service innovation. In fact, Global Gurus ranked him in 2020 for the sixth straight year in a row in the top three keynote speakers in the world on customer service. That's awesome. Uh, he's also written more than 700 columns for the Business Journal magazine and top blogs. He's appeared on CNN, CNBC, CBS, Fox Business, Bloomberg, ABC, NPR Radio, and has worked on a featured Fortune, uh, worked in, in features in Fortune Business Week, Forbes, Fast Company Magazine, Wall Street Journal, USA, CAO Magazine, and others. Dr. Bell has authored numerous national selling best books. And however, the newest one, his newest book is Inside Your Customer's Imagination, The Five Secrets for Creating Breakthrough Products, Services, and Solutions, which launched uh, just here in September 2020, uh, which uh, we'll talk about here in just a little bit. Chip, welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. Oh, thanks, Nick. Great to be with you. Man, you, you know, you, you've been around and, and you've done some great things when I can't... Uh, I can barely get through it without taking five or six breaths. So that's a legend in my own mind. <laughs> <laughs> we used to call some guy I ran with Leom, and that was it. That was it. Legend in his own mind. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we get started, um, I ask everybody on the podcast, yeah. what is one thing that people might not know about you? I once opened for the Backstreet Boys. No way. I did. Honest to goodness. I wow. did. The operative word is once. <laughs> I absolutely so, did. It's a long story, but I did open for the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. And, and I, love to, opening... I, love play, I love to play the piano and sing, kind of the Billy Joel style. Wow. That is absolutely awesome. What song, if you could sing and play one more song, what would it be? Amazing Grace. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. It's a good song. Uh, uh, is great that uh, it's a great yeah history. absolutely is that um is anywhere of you singing and playing the piano online yeah there's all there's a couple of youtube videos of me uh playing and singing in fact um for this new book inside your matching uh customer's imagination i actually wrote composed a song that is in the book um so yeah it's actually one in the book actually i wrote a song book and uh, i wrote a song book or composed a whole songbook for the um, part of the publicity and marketing. And you can go online and you can get the book on my website. And also, if you'd like to hear the accompaniment, um, I, I provided that as well. So that way you got the sheet music and you can follow along and sing it. But, oh, yeah. If you look at the book on page one, 160, you'll see the sheet music. Uh, Check it I out. Walk by it. I, I'm actually opening it up right now, ladies and gentlemen. Just calling. There it is. Caution <laughs> lights for contracts. How about that? 
So uh, that is very cool. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe that you open up for the Backstreet Boys. That's yeah. uh, I've heard some really cool things. Have never heard that one. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of the book, um, you've written a lot of books and, and you've had a lot of success. What made you write this book? Well, I think uh, that's a great question, Nick. I think part of it is the fact that organizations today um, all know they're supposed to continually innovate or they don't survive because mm -hmm. customers' expectations are always changing. And typically, they turn to their R&D facility, their uh, mm -hmm. research and development folks or best practices, a variety of ways to, to say, we got to come up with a new product of this or a new service mm -hmm. or a new solution. But you and I are customer people, and, and they, they rarely go, well, let's talk to our customers about helping us invent this new product. Yeah. Despite the fact that there are tons of examples out there where companies have just done that. I mean, they don't mm -hmm. often publicize our customers created this for us, but nevertheless, the customer's fingerprints are on them. And, and so I thought, well, what, that would be a cool thing to look at is if you want to innovate, how, would, how do you go inside your customer's imagination and get them involved co-creating with you? Yeah. yeah. So that's I, kind I, of the premise. I've been involved in innovative service, the concept of very unique service for a number of years. And this was sort of a, the next step. Yeah. I, I love it. And, and there's so many good things. And I think we'd have a, a, a lot of episodes if we actually walk through the entire book. Uh, however, uh, let's talk about, um, without giving up the, the secret sauce. I don't mind. Your, 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 your <laughs> listeners won't tell anybody. They won't. They won't. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully the, the three people that listen to this won't tell anybody. <laughs> but funny. what are the five secrets for creating breakthrough Well, products? they're based on uh, just a little backstory about it. Um, when I began to realize this is a book about innovation. Yep. So if you looked at the most innovative organizations in the world, and you can mm -hmm. name them, you know, ask anybody and they'll come up with, oh, Google and Amazon and Pixar and companies like that. If you went inside their culture um, and go, okay, what are the features of their culture common among the, these kind of organizations? What do you find? Well, one, and here go your secrets, they're intensely curious. So one of the secrets is all about curiosity. Uh, and I can come back and talk about why those are important, but these are the secrets. Um, the secret is they're, they're highly grounded. They know exactly what they're focused on and, and, and they don't get distracted and go down rabbit holes. Um, third, they're about risk-taking. I call it discovery. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's all about taking risks that result in learning and in progress and improvement. Um, the fourth, they're focused on how to create an atmosphere of trust. And the fashion, last one is they're all passionate. Mm. Um, they're very passionate about what they do. And so if you take those, those are the five secrets and say, I took those and said, okay, what if you took those five, curiosity, grounding, discovery, trust, passion, mm -hmm. and applied them to a relationship with a customer, what would that look like? And so again, part of the, the, the premise is customer's imagination is on the inside. And I like mm -hmm. to think of it as a door opened only from the inside. And so the question becomes is, how do I get my customer to open their door to their imagination and share with me their kind of crazy off the wall, half-baked ideas that we can use to help collaborate in creating a new product, service, or solution? And, and they all fit under kind of a partnership relationship. And so the more they experience my uh, curiosity and interest in them, the more they're willing to open that door and see it as a trusting uh, environment uh, relationship that, that, that's not laced with fear. The more we stay grounded, the more we can find the intersection between 
their hopes and aspirations and our aspirations as an organization. The more we focus on creating an atmosphere of trust. So you see how it goes is mm -hmm. all those elements are all part of creating the relationship, the partnership, so that there is a willingness and a fruitfulness in how we co-create together, how we collaborate uh, on a new product, service, or solution. Yeah, and, and I think the key to that is collaboration. It's the yeah. coexisting, the working through it and saying, yeah. I don't know everything. I right. need your help. Exactly, exactly. It's, it takes humility, transparency, and, and you find that in, uh, in these great organizations renowned for a breakthrough. I, I've had a good, good opportunity to work with some of those that are sort of on the cutting edge. Good example is Lockheed Martin. And I specifically worked with their uh, Skunk Works group. And the Skunk Works folks, well, I asked one of the folks I was working one time, I said, what exactly do you all do? And uh, he said, well, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. But then, then he said, did you see Star Wars? And I go, yes, yeah, I saw Star Wars. He said, well, that's what we work on. We work on air defense 50 years from now, 30, 40, 50 years ago huh. from now. And so they're looking at real creative kind of applications of air defense in this case. But when you talk to those folks who work there, they're all passionate, they're all humble, you know, they're not into showing off, they're not arrogant, and it's a very safe environment. And I can tell lots of stories about my experience working with them in Palmdale, where they're headquartered. Um, but it's a, it's a fast, and I think you find that characteristic of most organizations that are highly innovative and creative, that they're all about driving, as Deming said, how do you drive fear out of the workplace? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But most of the companies that you act, actually ask, maybe they will tell you they won't try to kill you if you actually do. No, have no, no. Fortunately not. <laughs> no, no. Some of them just kill you anyway. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I, I, I've skated through life so far. So, uh, so far, so good. But so the very first one is curiosity. Yeah. What does curiosity mean to Chip? Well, it means, first of all, that I am, I am intensely interested in my customer, deeper than normal. I talk about the principle of eccentric listening. Eccentric listening, it's a phrase I made up. It's not really a, I've never heard of it before. But if you think about eccentric, it's kind of out of the ordinary, out of the box, mm -hmm. you know, different, unique, unusual. And, and it's how do we help the customer, um, how we show that we are sincerely interested, how do we show that customer that they are truly valued. And in so doing, how do we get them to dream with us, dream mm -hmm. and and how do you ask questions, inquiry questions that take them to a dreamer state? I'll give you an example. I was working with um, a pizza company you know well. We all know. It's a very famous pizza company, Delivery Pizza. And um, they, we were interviewing, lot, fo doing focus groups with lots of their customers. And we assumed that we would be focusing on three things, price, product, and process. Hmm. You know? And we'd be hearing things like, well, your pizza's not that great or which is all about the product, or it costs too much, or it takes too long to get it, mm -hmm. the process stuff. But because we ask dreamer questions like, what's something no pizza company's ever thought about doing that you think would be cool? You know, that's a dreamer question. That's taking the customer out of the frame. We kept hearing customers say, what about the box? We go to the box? Yeah, yeah, we, you know, I get a pizza, I throw the box away. Why would you do something with the box? And we go, well, what would you have in mind? Well, 
you know, you could turn it into a puzzle. You could turn it into a, a game. You could turn it into a coloring book. You could turn it into a Halloween mess. There's all kinds of stuff you could do with the inside of the top cover of that box. Well, mm. sure enough, a few years later, I'm working with a paper manufacturer that made pizza boxes for this company. And sure enough, <laughs> there was, when you open the pizza up on the inside of the front cover, you could just peel off a layer of plastic and there was a coloring book or there was a mask you could cut out or there was a variety of things they were all you never knew what you're going to get in terms of a pizza box you know what it was but there's an example of something the customer the, the organization was focused on pizza product price and the customers go well, what about the box some feature and so it's getting customers to think that way dream beyond and they, only through that intense curiosity uh, can you do that I talk about be the customer and I bet you people who have kids, little leaguers heard, have heard that phrase a lot. Mm -hmm. It's always in the form of be the ball, which is a way to get that youngster who's standing at bat and the ball's coming from the pitcher to stay focused on the ball, be the ball, be the ball. Well, what if you applied that to customer and you be the customer? What does that look like? Well, you actually did. We're the customer. What if you were the customer? I, my wife's hairdresser, Johnny Adair is a good example. Uh, he, he, from time to time gets a permanent. I said, Johnny, why do you do that? He said, well, I realized when women come in to get a permanent, it can be one of the most awkward, uncomfortable, uh, things they go through. So I thought if I could do it, if I get a permanent, I see exactly what they experienced and enable me to make some changes hmm. in how I serve them. So it was a more comfortable experience. So there's a true example of being the customer. All of those demonstrate your curiosity with the customer. Hmm. what's the opposite of being curious indifference indifference and i actually the the, the interesting thing about uh, indifferent when it comes to service is customer customers hate indifferent service worse than they do bad service because you know when you get bad service you go well you know the people weren't properly trained or well they got bad supervision or it's a bad process you have lots of room to blame other stuff Mm -hmm. When a frontline person is indifferent, it clearly says, you don't care. Well, mm -hmm. That's my perception. You don't care. And so it is only kind of one interpretation for indifference. Whereas poor service might have a variety. They might excuse you for poor service. They don't excuse you for indifferent. So in many ways, the opposite of curiosity is complete indifference. Mm -hmm. and, and, and again, it's, it's worse than bad service. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awful. And we've all experienced it. And kind of, oh, kind of what you said, we've all been consumers. All of us yeah. are consumers in yeah. something. Yeah. But, um, you know, you say in the book, a couple of things. Well, you say a whole lot in the book, but <laughs> you say, listen without an ulterior motive and to listen with your whole body. What yeah. does that mean? It means you look like all over, like you're listening. And, you know, every fiber in your body is all focused on you know, I like to think about it as raffle listening. You know, if you were to raffle, you know, and, and they, they about to call a winning number and you're going to win that new car. If somebody walked up to you and tried to interrupt you to have a conversation. You'd probably go, shh, mm -hmm. I don't, I, I'm focused here. You ever ounce a body of your body is all focused on <laughs> hearing that winning number. And that's what I'm saying is when you, when you focus, 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 with with listening like you are that's only like that person's only unit only thing in the world and we feel that when people listen like that but it's also listening as you mentioned without an agenda 
Meaning mm. I'm listening to learn and I have no other goal, no other objective. I'm not listening here to correct or to teach. I'm not listening here to, to tell you how you're wrong. I'm not listening for any other thing other than just to learn. And what causes what happens when you do that is that customer feels truly valued, not just heard and understood. They feel valued. And out of that, they feel the comfort to say, you know, you care about me and I'm willing to share my crazy ideas with you. So again, it's all about getting that door to open from the inside and share that imagination. And, and sharing that, those crazy ideas or even complaints for that matter yeah. is, is an opportunity to, to, to improve. Yes. Because there's not a whole lot of times, I mean, employees will, will step up and say, hey, this is where we're going wrong. And here's yeah. where I see some of these pain points. But yeah. if we can continue to listen to those customers, right. we're going to continue to improve. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you care. You know, what's that old adage? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And mm -hmm. so it's that same thing. It's, it's demonstrating caring. And, and so what's the difference between focusing on your customers and not on the procedure? Well, I think you, you, when you focus on the customer, oftentimes the customer can help. If there's a process broken, they can go, hey, you know, why, why, we, this needs to be corrected. Or we could work a lot better if it went like this. Or in, in, in other words, you know, all processes are human created. And so if I listen to people, they can give me oftentimes information that I, it didn't occur to me that, uh, you know, like the pizza company, I hadn't thought about the box. You know, mm -hmm. here I am worried about the pizza price and the process. And so, again, listening to that customer can oftentimes point you to ways to improve the process. If I listen to the process, I'm not going to learn much about the customer. But if I listen to the customer, then I'm going to learn a lot about the process. And the customer. And the customer. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love that. So you talk also in the book about, and, and maybe I'm going to botch this, but uh, imagination chai or chai. Oh, oh chi. Chi, imagination yeah. chi. Yeah. What is yeah. imagination chi? Yeah, it's all, it's, it's all about uh, letting go, freedom, um, okay. um, creating an atmosphere. Chi is, uh, is the, Asian, in the Asian word for energy. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if live people have chi, dead people don't have any chi. Uh, our expression, we have a tai chi that we teach. If you've seen people do tai chi which is all about learning to move the body, which moves the energy in different parts of the body. Acupuncture has a part of its, uh, uh, how it works is all about creating blocks to move chi in a different direction. So it's about energy. So I just use that chi to say, that concept of energy to ha say, how do you create imagination energy? How do you create, and, and part of it again is all about removing the uh, any kind of judgment, any kind of uh, fear of making a mistake. It's mm -hmm. creating a total judgment-free environment. And there are many techniques to do that. But it's all, and part of it is creating a kind of playful environment. You know, we think of, if you thought of an organization less as a boardroom and more as a playground, now you're sort of in that realm. People oftentimes talk about Google and how, you know, people are all in, riding around in the halls and bicycles and they got all these places that they can hang out that are really colorful music and all of that. looks like they're mm -hmm. not working very hard. Of course, we can look at their bottom line and go, I think they're doing pretty well. <laughs> well, part of it is the fact that they're trying to create an atmosphere of work that is like a playground. And, and out of that comes the sort of relaxation of rigid judgment 
to allow um, the freedom, the chi for imagination and innovation, breakthroughs, those kinds of things. So mm. it's helping to nurture that kind of environment. Yeah, actually, the first time I saw that was probably, I don't know, 20, 2008, 2009. And it was a marketing firm that we walked into. And it was actually a part of a uh, corporate headquarters. And they had this table that it had Legos all over it. And then yeah. underneath of it was just is this glass table. And it had all of these things that kind of get you got your mind going a little bit. Yeah. And I thought that was really unique because yeah. nobody else was doing it. Right, right. It, and it, it caused your mind to go in new directions and opens you up into rooms that you hadn't been in. And there's where the new ideas come from. So, yeah. Yeah. So the, so the fourth secret is trust. Yeah. And, yeah. and you say trust means a readiness to take risk with your customer. So explain what you mean when you say trust is honor and action. Yeah, it's honor and action. It, it is all about transparency. It's all about being who you are. It's about genuineness, authenticity. That's honor and action. It is all about uh, no wearing no mask in terms of not a, not a COVID mask, but uh, you know mm -hmm. the Greek word for personality is mask, um, and 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 so we all sort of wear a mask. The more I can be who I am, really who I am, the more there is a trustworthiness between us, and uh, and 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 part of what I focus on in that chapter, in that section around trust is also around truth. How, how, truth is, a, is one component of building trust so I can open that door and take, take the necessary risk. And, and we, live, we live in a world where it's sort of, we talk about truth and then we have all these examples where it's not really that truthful. And a good kind of fun example is, um, you're on, let's say you take the stand in a trial as a witness. And the first thing they ask you to do is put your hand on the Bible, hold your right hand up and say, I swear to tell the truth, but it doesn't stop there, does it? Mm -mm. Then it's the whole truth. It's not stopping there and, and nothing but the truth. It doesn't even stop there. So help me God. Mm. And you go, why come they have all of that three truths in that? Well, it's because people often aren't total transparent. They often have white lies. They often have these not quite tell you everything. And so what do we do to break down that kind of reluctance to be totally honest? I was on a flight before COVID and the pilot said another on time landing with Mayday Airlines or whatever airlines. I, can't, I was flying so much. I couldn't even remember the airlines, but <laughs> another, another on time, we'll call them Mayday this for fun. Another on time arrival. And I looked at my iPhone and I go, we're 14 minutes late. So when we're getting off the plane, he's standing in the cockpit door. I said, we're 14 minutes late. Oh, well, but you said we were on time. Well, the FAA gives us a 15-minute grace period because we can't control what's happening on the tarmac. Wow. I go, well, what about being honest, you know, telling the truth? Can you imagine that song from My Fair Lady? Get me to the church within 15 minutes of the wedding? <laughs> I don't think that'd work. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, is we have all kinds of examples. My favorite is the one where you, in a fast food restaurant, you pull up and the person that's taking your order at the drive-thru says pull over to the parking lot we're right we'll, we'll bring it out to you now now what that's about is about how long you stay stay in that lane hmm. it's a meter that's running and so one time i got in that line at one of the fast food res restaurants and it was 11 o'clock in the morning wasn't a soul in line i said you know i think i'll just sit here nobody's behind me 
if anybody comes up, I'll pull over to the parking lot. That way, you won't have one of your fo- have to, one of your folks have to bring it all the way out to me. Just hand it through me the window here. Oh no, no, no! You're gonna get me in trouble because you're gonna mess up my mm. time in the window. And I go, wait a minute. So what we're doing is we're gaming a number that everybody in the organization to the CEO knows is being gamed by having the customer pull over. So you're getting a fake read on how long it really takes me in the window because I just moved out because you're not tracking him while I'm out there. So there's an example of, and and most fast food restaurants do it and you go, but you aren't getting a real picture here. Mm -hmm. If I just sat here, you'd get the real picture of how long people are sitting in the line. So what I'm saying is there, there's countless examples where we're not totally, totally truthful, but what you find in a great partnership is that assertive honesty, that being totally truth, trustworthy and being truthful, uh, to nurture it. So again, that's, it's all about how do you create that? Yeah. And, and I love the, the three truths that you just said, how do you get that in business? What, what do you need to say or uh, create that openness and say, Hey, it's time to dream. Now tell me your honest truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Well, it's just, it, it starts with a, a leader who's willing to be uh, totally trustworthy and honest and, mm-hmm. and direct. I, I'll give you an example. I had the wonderful opportunity a number of years ago to work with Harley Davidson. I taught in their university. They have a Harley Davidson university where they bring in their dealers from all over the world and uh, over a multi-day period and train them in all kinds of workshops. And I used to teach classes in customer service for them. Rich Terling was the CEO at that time. And he would go over in front of his folks. This would even at this meeting where there'd be 1500 dealers. And he'd say, here's something I screwed up on and what I learned from it. Now think about that. I'm a CEO. Here's something I screwed up on this week and what I learned from it. Mm. Well, that sets the tone to say, it's okay to make mistake. It's okay to be honest. It's okay to be transparent. You know, um, I got a chance to work with Herb, Herb Kelleher at Southwest Airlines. You couldn't find somebody more open and transparent that, than Herb. I mean, he was a fun guy, but he was all about, be, just tell me the truth. And so when you find these cultures where people are willing, the leader is willing to be forthright, open and honest, tell the truth, then it gets honored in that organization and respected in that organization. And when somebody fails to do that, I'll be telling the whole truth, mm-hmm. being totally forthright. Uh, it shows it looks different. They look, look weird, you know, and those that aren't willing to do that find out they're sooner or later out of place, so much out of place. They don't want to live there. They don't want to work there. They want to go somewhere else. And so, um, and they go to Vegas. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. At any rate, but, but that's what I'm saying is, is ha- it starts, I think with leaders willing to model that, but it's not just about the leaders. It's about being courageous. You know, we, we don't mm-hmm. all have to have, you know, I'm going to lie. My boss lies. So I'm going to lie too. I mean, your mm-hmm. mama told you better than that, you know? Um, so, you know, that when you were a kid, we all say, well, they do that. I'm going to do it. Well, if they stuck their hand in a fire, would you do that just cause they did it? Your parents talked about that. So you don't need a leader to role model it, but it certainly makes it easier because in that kind of environment. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love the fact uh, that you guys talk about in, inside the book, you talk about uh, passion and, yes. and why it's never, why it's important to never stop courting. Yes, that's what uh, my wife said. Yeah. And, and explain the, why, it's, why it's important to never stop courting. 
Well, that was a line my wife uh, used at our 50th wedding or 40th wedding anniversary. We've been mm -hmm. married oh, now 50 something years, but at any rate, um, but, but what it says is you, you make sure that the, there's, you take good care of the customer and that you don't ever take them for granted. It mm -hmm. means that, uh, you know, if you treated every customer, no matter how long they've been with you, as if they're still a prospect, you're trying to, to make, try to close a deal on, you know, you're trying to get them to become your customer. You know, you showed your best self. You did the extra little things. You remembered in small ways, mm -hmm. you know, well, you know, great relationships don't stop just cause now we're their customer. Um, yeah. and, and they continue to nurture that. Like it, 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 you know, because you want it to last a long time. You want it to be a long-term, long-term partnership. And, but it starts, it starts with how passionate you are. I mean, I, you know, um, I like to think of passion as being three words, pass I own. It's the bring in the best of who you are to somebody else. Rollo May, the great philosopher said, there's an energy field between all humans and we reach out in passion. It's met with an answer in passion and changes the relationship forever. So it's mm -hmm. all about being willing to bring that excitement, enthusiasm and interest um, at every moment, at every turn. And so to me, that's, you find those organizations and, and they, they do that in part because they have a cause, they have a, a noble purpose that they're, they're interested in. And, and that becomes the fuel around their, their energy. And, and uh, when you're working with somebody, uh, you feel that sense of connectedness, kinship around this particular mission or cause. You know, we see it in, in great athletic teams. We see it in high performance teams. We see it in military groups, in a combat situation where the mission is important. They're all brought together and they're tighter than the, you can imagine because, you know, they're willing to invest together. And so that's the kind of thing you're trying to nurture in a partnership with your customer. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I talk about um, how it's so important to never stop dating your customers. Yes. Um, right. And it and might, not, might not be politically correct, but it's the right terminology. It's the right way to we, think. We about worry it. too much about political correctness, yeah. particularly when people clearly get your meaning. <laughs> your yeah. Intent. That's right. Yeah. So I wrap up every podcast with, with two questions. Okay. And, and the first one is what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year? And then the second one is if you could leave a note to all the customer service representatives or all the customer service professionals, what would it say? Okay. Let me start with the last one first. Um, yep. I think if I could leave a note um, for every uh, frontline person, particularly uh, it, it would be um, you, you are brilliant. You are super smart. Um, you are a great human being and don't ever forget that and act as if you are, you know, act every moment. I'm a great human being, uh, you know? Um, so that's, that's, it is part of my spiritual upbringing probably to think every human being is a child of God. And we, we should, when we act out of that sense of greatness, the amazing things happen. Um, so I, I, I think that's the first one I get. The, the first book you said, first thing you said is a book or a person. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of people, but I'm, I'm a book person. I'm into books. And the book I just recently read and reviewed um, was a book by my good friend. It's the second edition she just came out with. And I happen to have it here. It's called Selling with Noble Purpose. Mm -hmm. um, Selling with this or second edition by Lisa McLeod. Um, and and I, what moved me, I wrote, it, I wrote her uh, in, um, in my review on Amazon. I said, you had me at page X one. Hmm. She tells a story in the very preface. <clears throat> you, once you get to that story, you go, Oh my God, 
you get the whole book hmm. and you want to learn more. But here's the story real quick. She was asked to do a study for a major sales company about why people, why high, high, why high performers do better than low performers. But they were doing a double blind study. So she had no idea the performers um, that uh, were the best versus the worst. She did rides with all these sales reps and traveled mm -hmm. with them. And then, um, well, she had one rep uh, who said, well, I don't tell people more this to them. But one time, a number of years ago, I had a, um, I was in a hospital call. He was, a, this is a pharmaceutical company. And a woman came up and said, um, I want to, you, you're representing this company that sells pharmaceutical. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank you for all the wonderful things it's done for my life. I can play with my grandchildren. I can do all these things because of the, your pharmaceutical. She said, every time I have a down day, I think about that. And every time I go into a situation, that's late in the day. I think about that woman and the difference we made in her life. I, there was a noble purpose that she had. Well, she looked back at her notes and all of it, she found a number of people where they would talk about, not in different terms, some noble purpose that tended to drove them. And so when they came in, they asked the person leading the study, said, now, which of these people that you all covered, who do you think's the best performer? <coughs> she said, well, I can think of five. And she named them off. Of course, they had no idea the performance. The five she named were the top five performers in the company. And the mm -hmm. woman who told the story about the woman that came up to her in the hospital, she not only was the number one sales rep in the company, but she had been for three years straight. And so all of a sudden she realized what drives people within that and more than anything is when they have a noble purpose. And I think for any, not just people in sales, I mean, she's focused on that, but anybody who's in the business of serving others, the more we see it as a calling, the more we see it as a mission, the more we see it as not just getting through the day or collecting a paycheck, but making a difference in the life of that next one and that next one and that next one. To me, that's what it's all about. I was very moved by that story and its philosophy. Hmm. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, you Chip, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? It's a website I can remember, chipbell.com. <laughs> <laughs> And I think you can also connect with him on, on LinkedIn, uh, yeah. Chip R. Bell, and right. Twitter, Chip R. Bell also. Uh, not yep. also at the end of his name. But Instagram, yeah. Instagram, uh, there you go. Same thing. But, uh, Chip, I appreciate your time. Everybody else, uh, go buy his book, Inside Your, Your Customer Imagination, The Five Secrets for Creating Breakthrough Products, Services, and Solution. I appreciate your time. It's been a blast, and oh, I look great. forward to seeing the success you have. Good deal. Thanks, Nick. It's fun to be with you. Take care, man. All righty, you too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press 1 for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.